contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. And welcome to the Hammer and Grind podcast, the podcast built for contractors to help maximize profits and get you off the tools before burnout or bankruptcy happens. I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here to help you on your journey to self-mastery. Make sure you check us out on our social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for Hammer and Grind Podcast, and you'll be able to find me there. Consider joining my free Facebook group called the Contractor Profit Blueprint. I created this free group to give you as much information as possible to help you in your business. I go live in there once a week, tons of content to help you in your business. Now, if you want to accelerate the success, consider joining my paid coaching group called The Profit Club. In there is a great community of contractors all willing to share information and help each other succeed, as well as hundreds of hours of training, coaching calls, everything you need to accelerate your business. If you want to learn more about that, you can find out more information on hammerandgrind.com forward slash the profit club, or just send me a message and I'll be happy to share that with you. Now, let's get on to the show. All right, welcome to this episode. We have a very special guest today. I'm excited to have him on here. And since the mid-90s, Nathan France has been a powerhouse in the construction industry. Since his start, Nathan and his teams have generated hundreds of millions in sales, and they aren't slowing down anytime soon. Nathan is currently the CEO of T&J Construction, an eight-figure insurance restoration company. He's on the board of directors at AT3 Construction, who specializes in hail, fire, and water damage. Nathan is also involved in other ventures like RSDN, a property management company, and RPG, a whole food supplement manufacturer here in the U.S. He's passionate about bodybuilding and believes physical health is your first wealth. Nathan, welcome to the show. Hey, brother. Appreciate you. Super excited to be here. Yeah, I know it's been a long time coming. You're a busy man, so I, uh, I appreciate you working me in here. I want to get started. Just give us a little bit of background about Nathan. Who's Nathan? Yeah, my dad came back from Vietnam, adopted 13 of us, and I'm one of those 13. So, uh, wow. you know, just kind of grew up that way, kind of that Catholic, Christian, integrity, hard work, military. You know, while my dad was in the Army Reserves, he was also a police officer. You know, we were trying to do a little farming. My dad had met my mom in the Army, so my mom was a nurse. Just the best, hardest working, best people, you know, that real salt of the earth, Midwest, work ethic and integrity. But uh, man, I remember having uh, patches on my clothes, right? I remember getting picked on at school because, you know, you just weren't dressed very well. And I remember thinking to myself that, look, I need to find a way through the skills that I have to be able to earn more money, right? I need more tools. It's like going to the job site and going, man, I could make this happen with a flat bar and hammer. I could make a lot of things go. But if we... <laughs> if I had a chop saw instead of a handsaw, man, this would be going a lot easier right now you know, just that kind of feeling. So fast forward, I met my wife in high school. My wife went to school to work in pharmacy and uh, I went right into the trades. It was the first time for me that you could point in a direction and the harder you work, typically the more you got paid. And I loved it. That led to construction sales because you're seeing these guys pull up in the big lifted trucks. They're never dirty. (laughs) Like, man, and they're making more money And I was never jealous by that. I'm just like, look, these guys have information that I don't have, 
right? They know something that I don't know. And in that 18, 19 year old window, I started just asking better questions. I actually got recruited by one of the owners. He's like, look, it's pretty simple. If you're coachable and teachable and I can show you a process and you're willing to do it, it's no different than hanging drywall. You don't not hang it in studs, right? You don't hang it into framing. Now, are you using screws or nails? I mean, there's just a process to it. Are you using four by eight sheets? Are you using four by tens, four by twelves? You know, what's the process? So I remember working with him the first two weeks going, I'm not doing this right because I'm not making any money, right? I hadn't made any money. There really wasn't a per diem or anything like that back then. It was just, you needed to learn this and the faster you could catch on, the, the more money you made. But I remember just asking the other guys that were doing it that were older than me, right? I'm late teens now and I'm going, dude, does this work? They're like, it works for everybody if you just do it long enough. You just got to be here excited long enough. And my third week, I finally hit my stride. And the only reason it worked was all of the other sales guys had left to go deer hunting. It was about this time. And they're like, look, there's, there's a stack of leads. There's nobody left to run them. And I love to hunt too, by the way. I was going to go deer hunting with my dad. And they're like, well, look, there's nobody left to run them. Do you want to stay and run all these leads? I'm like, I got to figure this out. I got to make some dough. So uh, hit my stride, worked that entire weekend, ran all the leads. And it just finally clicked for me. Right people, right time, right process. And man, I haven't looked back since. Wow. It sounds like your family and your upbringing was a very pivotal part to the hard work ethic that you have. Well, you know, I think my story is very common in what we do, right? Great people raise great people. Now, side note, right? My dad had some challenges coming back from Vietnam, right? And those challenges definitely spilled over into me. But those things like the drive piece, the don't quit, the man, this seems like it's hard, but it's never going to really be as hard as that was. So the times you were like, look, man, this is pretty tough, right? Like this, man, I, I just don't know how we're going to figure this out. You're like, ah, this is nothing compared to some of those stories, if that makes sense. So I'm really thankful that actually all that stuff happened to me because it really happened for me. Because it, like, man, you probably would have just given up a lot sooner because you just didn't really know what hard was. So growing up in that hard environment, I mean, there were times in the summertime, there's all these farms out by where we live. And my parents would be like, look, you're, I remember being 12 years old and they're like, look, if you really will genuinely want the stuff that you keep asking us for, go work on one of these truck farms. So my brothers and I would be out on the truck farm and I'm 12 years old working with uh, adult Hispanic males. And the first thing that they would do is kick eight kinds of dog crap out of us every day. I mean, man, you'd be loading a truck and you'd get a rock the size of an apple winged in the back of your head, right? And when you kind of came to, it was those males, right? Those adult males, because you're like, you're taken away from them, right? You're out there working on the farm. But once those guys saw our work ethic and they kind of heard our story, right? They're like, okay, I'm just going to beat on these guys a little bit less. <laughs> but the why and the drive was so high because I'm like, look, I was picturing in my head not getting picked on at school anymore for my clothes, right? I was picturing in my head all of those pieces. It's like, dude, you guys are going to have to light me on fire and leave me for dead in a ditch for me not to do this because I know why I'm doing this. So those things moving forward, those farm kid work ethics, right? Those great parents instilling you, it paid massive, massive dividends in the business world. Yeah, absolutely. You can't ever go wrong hiring a kid that grew up on a farm because you know, you know they're going to work their butts off. That's right, brother. Which is kind of what we were going to chat about a little bit today. 
You have a lot of experience with your businesses and growing and, and recruiting. Obviously, if you want to grow and scale a business, you have to be good at bringing on top talent, hiring, all that stuff. So I want to start really kind of quick here. and You can kind of give me a 30,000 foot view, but what do people get wrong about hiring and recruiting? Man, I can tell you some of this stuff. We've made these mistakes. And some of the things, it's not really happening to you. It's really happening for you to teach you the lesson. And once you got the lesson, you can scale this out for the next 20, 30 years. So the faster you can catch some of these lessons, the faster you can make it go. One of the things with recruiting, you know, let me be an example. Let's use a dating example. Let's say a guy is a one, right? We'll pick on him a little bit, right? This was me back before I had any uh, soft skills, right? I literally had three hairs growing off of my face, didn't wear any deodorant, right? Kind of had you know, the shaggy top, maybe a little bit of a mullet even growing in the back, you know, wasn't worried about wearing a clean shirt. You know what I mean? I just wouldn't worry about any of that stuff. And when I wanted to start, you know, noticing all of these gals, so like my gal that I married, Jen, was the homecoming queen at our school. And actually, uh, the school we went to had about a thousand kids in every grade. So it was a big school. And I remember the first time I actually called her, I had to tell her who it was. And she's like, I don't know who that is. Right. I mean, she wasn't picking on me. She's like, I don't I don't know who this is. (laughs) So that those are like those defining moments where you're like, all right, I need to become a person that can attract someone like that. So in your business, if you're trying to attract, let's call them, you know, zero is the worst. Ten is the best. You're trying to attract sixes, eight, you know, sevens, eight, nines and tens. You yourself have to become the person that will attract those people. Because if you're not that person, you're not going to attract those people. I mean, they may even come in for a little bit and go, look, I like what you're doing. I can see the money here. But, you know, Nate's never on time, doesn't ever pay me on time, puts me last. I can just see this stuff and I see how he treats his subs. I see how he treats his trade partners. I see how he treats his wife and kids. I see how he treats his house. I see how he treats his truck. I see how the guy treats his tools, right? Like, you know, if it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And what begins to happen is they start to build these these beliefs in, I, I call them like these five core beliefs of recruiting. So they look at their industry. I'm just going to pick one, roofing, right? A lot of times when you say roofing, people are like, oh man, dirty, scuzzy, you know, beat up truck, taillight warranties. These just aren't good dudes. However, the roofing industry in the last 10, 15 years has gone radically different, right? But if they have those core beliefs built into them about their industry, now they're coming up again to meet me to go, okay, do I want to be part of this industry? And again, they're looking at Nate's got this beautiful truck. He's got a beautiful house, presents himself well. His customers love him. The reviews are great. They're like, man, this, I've, got a, I've got the wrong belief about this industry. The next thing is about the company. Again, people have predisposed notions about the company. So let's just go uh, again, roofing. Let's say the guy's already selling or installing or project managing for a different roofing company. And they look up and then the first thing they do is maybe they go uh, look at Better Business Bureau. They look at Google for the reviews. They look at their Facebook and social media. And they're like, look, the guy's got one one star review, says he's been in business for 10 years, Right no branding for the company, man, I'm supposed to go out and work for these guys. The first thing I do, I'm going to pull up in a beat up old Dodge Promaster and 
it's going to be harder for me than it has to be. Now let's go to company B and company B has, you know, let's just say 25 five-star reviews, right? They don't have to have a million, but they've got a handful of five-star reviews. Their website is crisp, right? Their vehicles are wrapped. They don't have like a magnet stuck on the side. And I'm not picking on the people that do, but at the same token, when the guy pulls up and they're like, this guy ain't going fishing this weekend and pull the magnet off, right? This is what they do, right? That's like when the plumber pulls up, he's got the vehicle wrapped, he's dressed right, he's got his tools in his hand. You're like, okay, this guy's here to do business, right? This isn't, this. I'm not even sure this guy's even a, a plumber, right? The next thing is going to be the products. The products that they sell, believe it or not, matter, right? I'm just going to pick on the upper Midwest. Every time somebody comes out with a product, let's say like fiber cement, when they started coming out with fiber cement up here 20 years ago, they gave it a 50-year warranty on labor, 50-year warranties on materials, 50-year warranties on the paint finish. Now they've changed that warranty seven, eight times, and they've actually discontinued the product completely in Canada, right? So again, let's say somebody's had a bad experience with that type of product. And your company is selling it and telling everybody how great it is. And they're reading the install manual and going, you guys aren't even putting this stuff up right. Their belief goes down. And again, I'm trying to attract these type of people. So last two that are the easier two are the people and the profit. Profit can be on these five core beliefs for people. It can be how they get paid. It could be a spiritual connection. It could be they love to work with veterans, right? Profit doesn't have to be money, but it has to be compensation drives behavior is kind of what we call this. How are they being compensated? I actually have a pastor of a really big church who works with me, and he loves the integrity of the company, right? He actually had a bad experience in the industry, so we worked on that. He loves the products we sell, right? He loves the company. He loves the people that we work with. And the profit, the reason that he's here is he used the funding that he makes in construction and in the industry to help fund his church, right? To help fund more mission work. So the profit though has to be clear on how people are being compensated, right? They want to know two plus two is four. It needs to be crystal clear. And the last one is the people, right? It's not just the CEO. It's not just the install team, right? It's like everybody moving on a common purpose and common beliefs and common goals and these core beliefs that can really move it forward. So not only does that help with recruiting the people that you want, but it really helps them stay. Yeah, I mean, there's so much gold in that, Nathan, to kind of unpack. But I want to hit the last thing you said, because I had this experience. I was hiring for a lead guy several years ago, and I had three people from the same company, which is a very well-known, very established. And actually, the owner of the company was kind of a mentor to me. I'd met with him a couple of times. And three different people were coming from that company to apply for the job. And what, what it turned out was that they had hired a new, uh, I don't know what the title was, it was like a production manager or some type of you know, production type manager. And he didn't have the experience. Had a short man syndrome, you want to call that, chip on his shoulder. And he just was driving all of the good work out of that business. They were wanting to exit. And they had been there for years. I'm sure you see that with other companies that you've talked with and mentor with. Well, especially right now, because what's happening in this space, let's call it 2023, because we're right on the precipice, right, of 2023. What's happening right now is people are just grabbing at straws, right? They're like, look, I could scale my business. If I had 10 solid people, I could, man, I could, we could really blow and go. But they can't even get two people necessarily to apply. 
So of the two people that applied, they're like, look, I'm going to take the better of the two. I'm not even hiring the right guy necessarily, but I need a body there. It's kind of like if you're an NFL fan right now, right? There's been so many injuries this year that some of these teams have like the guy who was hanging groceries last week is now on the field on a professional sports team, right? (laughs) And the rest of us get out on the, in the field and believe it or not, it's like you almost shouldn't hire anybody, right? You should almost go back into your existing team and go, look, what is balance for you? Is that more family time? Is that more work-life balance? Some of us, that's more checkbook balance, right? They need more checkbook. I mean, I've got guys that instead of hiring more people, we've gone inward into the team rather than bringing on that man or woman who just, you can feel it, right? I mean, you can almost see it coming a mile away. And you say to the team, you go, look, option A, we can hire more people, but we may not have the right talent pool. So that could disrupt the team. So is there something that we can do as a company, maybe flip the hours, right? Maybe they have Monday, Tuesday off so they can get the kids on the bus, but then Saturday, Sunday, when they weren't going to be busy anyway, they can work a 16 hour day, Saturday and Sunday. And we're all going to do some of this as a team, right? We're going to stage materials. We're going to bring the heat, but you're hundred percent right. I mean, sometimes in this economy, you're grasping at straws. So hiring the wrong person, but I haven't ever seen that work. As a matter of fact, it seems like it almost hurts those five core beliefs, right? The belief in the company, they're like, they hired this guy, right? So the belief in the company goes down. Belief in the quality of the product we're installing, belief goes down. Belief in the people, and of course, belief in the profit goes down because the first thing that they do is ask that guy, how much are they paying you, right? And of course, they can't ever keep that to themselves. Like, oh man, I make 25 bucks an hour. And and the guy who's making 30 is like, are you kidding me? You know, this guy shouldn't be working here. So really putting some thought into who we're working on attracting almost pays better dividends than just bringing somebody in. So to flip that, how we countered that is we're like, look, we want to start with the right people. So literally, we didn't have like the disc assessment or, you know, anything cool like that back. We did it like construction guys would do. Construction guys sit back and go, look, okay, if I'm going to build a, a house, you're like, what kind of house, right? How many square feet? Is it going to be a walkout? What kind of foundation? What part of town? Right. So we just started going, look, let's draw these people up on the board. You know, it's not a race thing. It's more of a culture thing. Right. If I'm trying to have a guy who can carry iron, like if you've ever carried iron, just the buckets or rivets alone can be 75 to 150 pounds. Well, I can have the guy who weighs 75 pounds right out of high school, like I used to weigh. And they're like, dude, this guy's got the best intention. He's out there working hard. He's trying to make it happen, but he's just not strong. And I mean, you know, they'd give me maybe a little sand bucket, like they'd give a little kid to carry these rivets around in, right? (laughs) So you didn't necessarily hire the right guy, right? So you're like, look, what attitude traits did these guys have, right? Or even women, right? What size did they need to be to do this job, right? If I hire an old school guy who hates computers, and I'm trying to, let's say, get them to use a CAD program, they're going to be frustrated. And so am I. They're like, look, man, I needed a job, but I hate computers. Well, you probably don't want to hire somebody into your CAD program company, right? <laughs> if they hate computers and engineering, you, you might have hired the wrong person. So if you can nail that piece, here's the second piece that's awesome. When you nail that piece, birds of a feather tend to flock together. And one of our companies, we got this amazing dude. He actually leaves the company on a regular basis because he's an NFL player. 
he actually gets on uh, scout teams, you know, gets a chance to play here and there. He's just this massive 6'3", 350-pound muscle guy who loves to play college and high school and then on to the NFL. So we love him because he's got the right work ethic. But we've got a flexible program and support for him because he comes in and out of our company on a regular basis to go play in the NFL. Now, guess what? All of the guys who have gotten out or gotten injured, he's constantly recruiting those guys into the program. He's like, look, man, I'm, I'm making great money. These guys support me. They're hitting all of these five core beliefs. I know how we're making great money. They're great people to work with. It's a great company, right? They sell great products and install great products. And they're in an industry that maybe you haven't heard of, but man, you need to come take a look at this thing. So he's one of our best advocates. But now he's also recruiting people that already have the attributes, the attitude, and the aptitude that we're looking for. Yeah, that's amazing. That's like trying to get a crackhead to go out and find an A player for you, right? Like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to, he's going to go find all his buddies that are crackheads. <laughs> yeah, you could get lucky. You could get real lucky. Let's use law enforcement as an example, or farm kids, right? Or ex-military veterans, right? You're already digging into a talent pool where they're looking for camaraderie, right? They're looking for, you got my back, I got your back. You're looking for, look, if you're on time, you're late, right? They're already thinking that way. Now, you ever heard the draft horse analogy where a draft horse, like, right, like the big Budweiser type draft horse typically can pull about a thousand pounds by itself. But if you put two of them together, you're like, well, that's 2000 pounds. The synergy that's created from those two horses, typically they can pull 3000 pounds. You're like, well, it doesn't make any wow. sense. One can only do a thousand. Why together can they do three? So that's that camaraderie and that mentality and that attitude and then the aptitude that comes with it because these people want to learn, they want to grow, they want to be part of something bigger than themselves and the whole company can generally, all of a sudden, it just goes to the moon. Yeah, there's some stuff in there. I got to come back to this, but before we go any further, we are recording this on Veterans Day. So happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. We appreciate you. You open my eyes to something I never really thought about, uh, Nathan. We always talk about figuring out our customer avatar, right? Like what type of customer do we want to work for? But we've never really thought about what type of employee and actually creating an employee avatar of who we're trying to recruit. So I thought that was absolutely gold. What have you done in your companies to help retain like top talent? Sometimes people come in, it's kind of like a stepping stone for them, right? Like, oh yeah, I need a job. They're a good guy. They work hard to come in. But then, you know, a year or two years later, people are dangling money, you know, higher positions in other companies. Like, what do you do to try to retain those top talents? You know, that's a great question. That's almost like a master business mastery level question. You know, let's just throw it back to dating. You know, for my wife and I, I've almost been married now for 30 years. And that's almost in 2023 impossible to say. Unless you've got somebody who's, you know, 60, 70, grandma, great grandma. They're doing that. Very few people under the age of 50 do you run into somebody who's like that anymore. And one of the things that I've focused on is for me first, my physical health, right? My mental health, my spiritual health. I focused on those pieces because you really can't give something or influence something that you're not doing or have, right? It's like trying to tell your kids, hey, right, don't do that. I don't want you to ever smoke or drink. And there's dad with a Marlboro, a Budweiser in one hand and a Red Bull in the other, right? They're going to watch what you do. So it's hard to build trust in the people that you're trying to keep 
if you're not trustworthy, if you're trustworthy, your people will come to you first and they go, look, here's reality. You know, I was at a networking event. I know this other company on the other end of town. They're already offering more money. If there's trust there, you can lay it out, you know, almost on a bar napkin presentation and go, look, here's what we pay you to do. Right. And by the way, that shouldn't be just on a bar napkin. Right. Like once a year, we should be sitting down with them going, look, five years from now, where do you want to be when Jesus comes back? Right. You can't sometimes control the wind. But like Jim Rohn says, you can control the setting of the sail into the wind. Right. Aim it where you want to go. So if they've got bigger aspirations, I, I, I know I did. I just didn't know even what they were. Right. I'm 18, 19 years old getting started in this deal. And I'm going, man, I, all I need to know is how I can make work harder and make more money. Right. I wasn't into personal development. I wasn't CEO having done all of this great work all over the country for almost three decades. Right. I, I wasn't that person. I didn't even know that person existed yet. So if I could give you some bullet points, one of those things would be having that person one having what their outcome is. Right. And what the company's outcome is. So we've agreed to this. We put it in writing. Again, think of that core belief of the profit. That should be crystal clear. You're doing these things. We do these things. I got your back. Company's got your back. Here's how we pay. Here's why we pay that way. And oh, by the way, you told me that over the next one to three years, you want to become a person that can lead a framing crew. You don't want to just be a framer. You want to lead a framing crew. You don't just want to be a project manager. You're watching guys in our company lead 10, 15 other project managers, right? Now, here's what that means. And oh, by the way, next month, I want you to intern with our number one guy so you can see what that actually entails. Kind of a funny story. When my daughter was younger, she pulled me aside when she was about 12 and says, look, dad, I want to be a marine biologist. I'm watching these shows, right? This is just awesome. Go out and change the world. And I'm like, well, look, we went and lived on a 65-foot sailboat for almost a month with a group of marine biologists. When that got done, my daughter's like, there's no way. I ain't doing this. There's things I love about it, right? But what they think is going to happen oftentimes isn't what happens, right? Like if you pull that person aside and they go, oh, man, I'll give you $10 million to come work here. But all they heard was $10 million. Now, they've never had $10 million, so they don't know the type of person you need to become to earn $10 million. It's like the gentleman that just won that $2 billion lottery. God bless him. I, I'm so excited for him and his family. But now you have to become a person that can keep $2 billion, right? You don't have the skills. They're instantly attracted to the financing and the significance of a great um, vice president of the universe, all these great titles. But when it comes to, we call it in the farm, nut cutting time, right? Like you're neutering hogs or whatever, right? It's nut cutting time. You ain't going back. Well, a lot of times the company they were with, the grass wasn't greener on the other side. It was greener where you water it. So they're at the company with great integrity. They just didn't get clarity on the profit side. If they'd just taken a minute and got some clarity on the profit side, they're actually probably working at the company that they want to be at. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. I uh, I don't you remember. Do you remember Paul Walker, the actor that? Yeah. That yeah. That's a great example because, you know, he was an actor. That was his first love, but he also did marine biology stuff. And so when you, you know, he was able to do it as a hobby, kind of like, hey, I'm an actor. I have, I'm wealthy. I can take two months off here to go on a ship and tag sharks or whatever. So sometimes like your daughter, like, yeah, I love this stuff, but it's not what I want to do full time. And you have to 
figure that stuff out, right? So when you're hiring employees, but another story about that, one of my best employees I ever had was actually a college kid who was going to college to be a marine biologist. Yeah. And, you know, I had to work with his schedule. He would, he was taking classes and he, two couple days a week, he had classes and I'm more than willing to, to work with that schedule. And because of it, he had no plan on going anywhere else. And he was a great employee. I was sad whenever he left. He actually got an opportunity to go to an accelerated program and had to leave like a year earlier than he thought. And I was like, oh, man, I was so bummed because he was such a great employee. So those are some good points on the really, I think we, we try to fit employees in, you know, into the uh, square peg, right? We're trying to take a round, round employee, put them in a square peg and it doesn't work. I was just talking to one of my um, clients the other day and he does post frames, builds post frame buildings in Wyoming and he, they do four tens or, you know, four ten schedules and they rotate it every other week. So one week it's Monday to Thursday, the next week it's Tuesday to Friday. And by doing that every other week, they have a four day weekend and they love it. And he was telling me yesterday that there was some weather and stuff. And he asked the guys, he's like, look, today's your day. This is Thursday. We can work today in 15 degree weather, or we can come in tomorrow and work when it's going to be like 35. And everybody said, no, we're working today. You know, we don't want to come in on our day off. That's right. Technically. So being flexible enough to like not get stuck in this mindset that you have to work Monday through Friday, you know, eight to five or whatever it is, I think is is super critical. And that's what you were saying is like identifying what's important to them and being flexible enough to work around that schedule, especially if they're top talent. What's interesting is that as a leader in your business, it's almost like you're the admiral of the Navy, right? You're not just running a ship, you're running all these different ships. And what quality people appreciate is you seeing almost like if you're playing baseball, the stitches on the fastball, you can see it coming in. So like that gentleman just said, he goes, look, he probably said to the client, he goes, look, this is how we do that. So you don't come out here on Thursday and go, what, what the heck? It's Thursday. Why aren't there any guys out here? Right? Well, remember we talked about that. Hey, our four day weekends coming up. So this week it's going to be gorgeous Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but right. The guys busted hump. So they're not going to be there. So the client has the right expectations, right? They're not like, well, what a bunch of slackers. They're not here on the job site. Uh, from a leadership perspective, I don't have to lean on my guys very often to say, look, we have to be out there on your day off because we didn't get this done. Matter of fact, let's say hypothetically bad weather, we're two weeks behind. You're going to say to the team, you're going to go, look, we're two weeks behind on this. Everybody knows it. So we got to get this done. That's the outcome for all of us. Now, option A, we can work an extra two hours a day for the next week. Option B, we can work extra on our days off, right? Here's option A, here's option B. You guys tell me what works the best for everybody. And you know what? We're gonna agree that we don't like it, but it is what it is. This is the business that we're in, but we're gonna decide as a team how we do this. Now, granted, sometimes just the boss needs to be the boss and you gotta tell people, look, this is just how it is. But in 2022, 2023, if you're trying to keep high caliber teams, you're building it collaboratively versus uh, like a dictator, right? Gone are the days you yeah. come in and tell everybody, hey, this is what's up. They're like, look, I don't need it. I'm just going to go work somewhere else. Yeah, I, I talked to a lot of contractors and they, I think a lot of them are still, they're afraid to include their team in that decision because they feel like they're giving up control of their business, right? Well, if I ask them if, if they want to work today or tomorrow or whatever, 
and they say no, then what am I supposed to do? And so they just kind of go through that dictatorship route because they feel like they're giving up control. Can you speak a little bit more on that about like how the power of giving your team that option to collaboratively come up with the solution? Well, look, we do it already in the construction space with our clients, right? Clients love options, right? Let's say a plumber comes out to a house for a leaky toilet, right? Okay, that's a $300 service call. But uh, properly trained plumbers given the homeowner options, they're like, look, I know you called me out here for this call. This isn't an upsell. I need you to show you everything that's going on with your beautiful property. You know, can I do that? They're going to say, sure. So you do a water quality test and you're like, look, just so you know, it's coming. Uh, there's so much chlorine and, and uh, coagulants in your water. The reason that your toilet is failing is your water for your house is eating your plumbing. So here's option A. It's $20,000 for a new water quality system, right? Option B, I can just put in a carbon filter, let's say for six. Option C, I can replace your toilet. It's a thousand bucks because it's already eaten the guts out of this thing. Option D, right, I can put a new flapper in for 300 bucks. And that's actually why you called me. Which option serves you best? And some of the clients are just going to go with the 300 bucks. But what the plumber who's been doing it a long time figured out is, look, I don't even care which one you pick. I'm not trying to sell you. When you call me in a month and say, look, that flapper you put in my toilet is junk and you ruined my toilet, I think, when you replaced it. See, that's what they're thinking. The right plumbers think that they're going to get that call. And they're going to say, hey, Mr. Jones, take a look at that option sheet. Remember when we did the water quality? You're just confused, right? <laughs> you look at that water quality test. Again, that's why that new flapper. Now, I'd be happy to come put the toilet in or the carbon filter, or the water quality. But no, I'm, I'm not sending out one of the guys for free to do that because, remember, it's the water wreck in your house. It's not the plumber. Again, that stitches on the fastball we just talked about. So now translate that to your employees. You can come in there because you are the boss, like a herd of stallion. And look, sometimes it's an emergency. You know, the furnace is out. It's minus zero degrees, man. We, we got to go, right? Sometimes that does happen. But again, if you're giving your employees options, you're doing some planning, you're doing some forecasting for your business, and you say things to your team like, and sometimes this has to even be individually. Some of these young guys, don't, they don't care about a retirement plan. They don't care about medical benefits. They're like, look, I want to see commas and zeros on my check every single week. I ain't married with the kids, and I, I don't care about any of that stuff. I want as much money in my pocket every single week. Well, they're, they're basically like a client. They're telling you how to serve them. There's another guy who's like, look, I need a 401k. I need medical benefits for me, my wife, my two kids. I'd love to have a work vehicle with a gas card, right? How do I do those things? Because that may reduce my taxable income as an employee. There's other guys that pull you aside and say, look, I don't want to be an employee for you at all. I want to be a 1099 sole proprietor, right? I want to run a small business inside your business plan. How can we do that? Uh, so is that more days off? Is that like you were describing four tens? I know guys, they've got a almost like a special operations construction team. That they're like, look, the last week of the month, everybody is tapped. But if you're not tapped, we're going to go hit another 80 hours, right? We're going to go in on like four 18s at the end of the month. And we're going to go hard, knock some of this stuff out. And here's how much it pays, right? Compensation drives behavior. And there's a lot of guys who are like, look, with the holidays coming up, they're going to pull their wife or girlfriend aside and say, look, 
you know, instead of buying more lottery tickets, I've worked inside this compensation plan. They've got a program that I can go put in extra time and we're not stressed out over how we're going to pay the gas bill this month, right? We're not going to pay the grocery bill because they've laid out options for me to go do that. And here's what's interesting. When you lay out those options, what I find most of the time happens, people that want to leave, they leave. Why did they leave? They just want to leave. That's okay. That does happen. Sometimes people that stay, you're like, man, why did that guy stay? He just, he loved it. We listened to him. He loves us. We love him. They just stay. So people that go, go. So people that stay, stay. But if you've laid it out this way, I'm not giving them any reason to go. Plus, they don't have any time to go research another company. If they're fulfilled, their needs are being met, they're probably realistically going to stay. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, the, your, your top players are not sitting at home on the couch waiting for you to call them. That's right. Right. Like they're working for another company and I, you have to attract them. And going back to what you said in the very beginning, and I don't think contractors put a hev- a, enough emphasis on the, how important your branding of your business is in terms of recruiting people, right? You said they go, they're going to social proof you just like your clients do. They're going to go online, see how many reviews you have, look at your website. You know, if you don't have a website at all, if you don't have any reviews, they're going to be like, mm, this company doesn't seem like it even exists. What's the, you know, how much certainty do I have if I go work for this company that there's going to be work in six months, right? I need to have some level of certainty. So the the branding is such an important part. And I don't think enough people put enough, they don't put enough emphasis on that. So I hear you talking about kind of customizing your, you know, employment for your people. How do you handle like if this guy wants to work, you know, four tens and this guy wants to work a normal and this guy wants a truck and this guy doesn't like, how do you kind of put it all together so that some person's not feeling like they're getting left out and this person is getting paid too much or whatever? Like, how do you do that? Well, the word's probably transparency. I remember doing this in the nineties, right? Like, okay, we're going to sit down, have a negotiation. You know, you don't ever have to lie for me, but you know, don't share this stuff. This isn't, this is proprietary. Don't go to the job site and talk about this. Well, guess what the first thing they do after you get back is they talk about it, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's a little braggish, right? So what we started doing is we started going, look, full transparency. You guys are going to talk about this anyway. Here's full transparency. Here's what everybody gets. There, there are no secrets. Here's what every single person gets. It's like a, on Instagram or TikTok, they have that guy who does the welding, right? So he brings in a welder, and he goes, look at this weld, how much should I pay you? And they're like, I don't know, 32 bucks an hour plus a per diem, right? It's so transparent that if all of a sudden that guy starts to suck or he's the best, they move them up in the process, they move them up in the system. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Compensation does drive behavior, but the speed of the leader now becomes the speed of the pack. They know the guy that's making 45 bucks an hour. He's got a brand new vehicle that he drives home every day with a gas card. His phone is paid for, right? I mean, dude's always got the best swag. He's got a great per diem. Well, you don't pay that guy, right? It's almost like a, he's your Walter Payton, right? He's your your top guy on your whole team who's dragging the team with him every day. As a matter of fact, we're lucky to have him because usually those guys have a great attitude because they, you know, it's like uh, Arnold used to say, he doesn't pick fights with people because the biggest guy at the gym already knows he can beat everybody up right? He's not out picking fights. So that that guy typically on the crew already knows that none of these guys can compete. 
you know, I, I love a, a Kobe Bryant quote when he would, Kobe would get there early. He'd work his face off. Right. And then the, the team would show up. Yep. He'd work his face off with the team. And when they were coming out of the locker room, all freshened up, right in the suit, looking good. Kobe's still out there playing. So one of the players came over to him and just like, look, man, I just, I got to know what's your deal. What's your stick? Why, why are you doing that? Kobe looks him right in the eyes and he says, you know what? I'll tell you why. I want you feeling like you feel right now, no matter how hard you work, you will never be as good as I am. Right. And just stone cold. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty, uh, pretty confident statement, right? The difference between cocky and confidence ability to back it up. So those people, they already know that, right? They already know that they're working hard. They can do a great job. They're coming in early. They don't mind coaching and teaching, right? So they're at the, the top of the pay scale. Well, I want what that guy has. That guy goes, look, here's what I did for the last 10 years. I studied our trade. I watched YouTube videos, right? I went to symposiums. I went to class. I worked for free. Back in the Bible, what they would do is say, in like biblical days, if your dad wanted you to be a Mason or you thought you wanted to be a Mason, you went and lived with a Mason for two years, made no money, and you ate, slept, and dreamt Masonry, right? They gave you room and board. That's it. So you could just learn the basics of Masonry. So if a guy in our comp plan comes in and he's like, look, I'm the best guy you've ever seen. We're like, that's awesome. We're going to bring you in for two weeks, right? You're going to get a normal industry standard wage. And after two days, if you're supposed to move up, this isn't a deal. If, if, after the first day, if you're supposed to be moving up, we're thinking about moving you up, right? Uh, but what we found is the guys usually who are blowing hot air, they come in, hey, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, rarely is that ever the case. And as a matter of fact, they're usually, we don't hire those guys because they, uh, they're a disruption to the team, Right. They spend more time working their job muscle than they do their regular muscles. So to back to that question of, you know, how do we compensate people correctly? Well, if you've got full transparency across the team, again, Bill's our best guy, right? It's hard to compete with Bill. That guy could run a crew, do everything that four other guys can do. Well, Bill deserves to be compensated for that. And now you can also say to Bill, you go, look, we're actually going to add a little bit more to your comp plan. Because we know we're putting you with three guys that are not at your level, but we'd like you to work with them for the next 12 months and help us bring up not only their uh, attitude, but their aptitude, right? We want four bills in the next one to three years, but it's going to take probably one to three years to get them at that guy's level. So every day they come in and say, look, I want to raise like, okay, well, let's, let's grab a genuine conversation with Bill and see what the last 30 days have been like. Did they come on time? Well, they don't. They have to leave early every day. They sure do. You know, this is the pace, how many square feet they were doing, how many they're doing now. Oh, they're actually doing less. So actually, man, we either A, we're going to give you a chance to fix this, or B, I have to move you down or move you out, right? It's like real time. It, it is like almost like you're watching a professional sports team because they, they watch the matches, they watch the, the sport, they find out real quick right? It's full transparency. You got 50 cameras on you every day. They know real quick if you're delivering or not, or if they're supposed to be looking for somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Do you use any type of like mastery ladder or, you know, like position, you know, I'm talking about my, my mastery ladder. I do. We try to keep our business very, very transparent, very clear. We use the words from Tony Jerry. Tony Jerry's is a success coach. 
Tony has about a hundred books on personal development and he breaks it down to three words, clarity, focus, and execution. Every person on your team down to the guy who's just a courier, crystal clear on what they're supposed to be doing, right? From the 50,000 foot view as a company, the courier drives a certain way, right? He washes his truck a certain way. At the gas station, he acts a certain way, right? Because you're branded, right? You're, you're an extension of us. So the lowest guy on the totem pole from the 50,000 foot view knows our values and knows how to act and knows what's a deal breaker. Down to what is the next delivery? How do I park, right? How do I present myself to the homeowner? How do we knock, right? Like our company uses the old shave and a haircut knock. We all do these things the same. Now, on clarity, focus, and execution, is there always going to be somebody most likely that's in charge of a project? Of course there is. But again, every piece of that puzzle is crystal clear on what they're supposed to be doing, what their outcome is, the execution. So we try to stay very linear, right? Literally, let's say we've got four guys on a job and there is a foreman on that job. The foreman really doesn't have to do much. Like, hey, what are we doing next? Well, what what do you think we're supposed to be doing next is very common for our guys to say, we're supposed to be doing this. Well, why are you asking me, right? It's like the you betcha guy, right? It's like, we're not going to holiday for uh, more monsters and, uh, and lunch. You, you know the next step in the process. Now, here's where it gets fun. When you've got those people executing at that high level, the projects go really clean. They go really fast. There rarely is something that gets left behind or missed because they know what the next step in the process already is. Leadership can be a tricky thing because if they're constantly having to rely on the leader, what happens when that guy is late? He calls in sick. Well, I got to wait here until Bill tells me what to do. Well, if Bill wasn't here, what would you be doing? Well, I'd be doing this. Well, man, get started. Yeah. It sounds like you guys really, you have it completely mapped out, like you said, down to how you act at the gas station. And, and I think a lot of contractors group that into, well, that's just common sense. And so therefore, I don't need to tell you or teach you how to do things because it's just, quote, common sense. But you know that, and it's, I'm hearing this, what you're saying is that you, you have everything, like how you knock on the door, how you talk to the customer, how you put gas in the truck, how you, you know, how you wash the truck, like you're laying it out of like, this is what we expect you to do. And if you can't do this, then, you know, we either got to put some more training in or you're going to have to go. I mean, is that sounds like that's what you're doing or did I miss that completely? Yeah. Common sense just isn't as common as it used to be. So again, clarity, a job site starts this time of year at 7 a.m., let's say. Okay, so you're arriving at 6.45, right? You're on the clock, but the arrival time is 6.45. Here's how we park. In the summertime, let's say you get a lot of condensation off your vehicles. So a homeowner or a property owner may construe that as a leak in a vehicle, right? Rather than just water and dirt coming off. So here's how you park. Here's where the bathroom goes, right? We live in a digital world now too, where everybody's got a camera, everybody's got a smartphone, they got 50 smartphones on their house. So all of this data is being recorded, right? So again, if you're the guy who pulls up and you got 50 Red Bulls laying across the top, right? You're having a cigarette. It's just, it's so prototypical of every Instagram video that they've watched. So they're like, okay, here we go. This is why I hate having people come to my house. Or when you pull up, they're like, okay, this is different, right? This guy actually looks like for a change, he knows what he's doing. So you go to ask him for a the sale, right? You go to ask them for, hey, let's do that final walkthrough as a tradesman. 
They're like, whatever this guy tells me, I'm in. These guys are phenomenal. So if you have that culture in place and you have those philosophies, people can still be themselves, right? Don't not be you. You have your beliefs. You have the way you like to do it. You have the way you like to present, but don't miss the forest for the trees, right? Like these common sense, practical, treat people the way that they would like to be treated. It just, man, it just pays itself in spades. And if you flip that back to compensation drives behavior, you're like, look, there's the guy on our team, right? There's the top guy in the NFL, whoever that is today. That guy makes $50 million a year. Do you want to be that guy? Okay, well, that guy works 90 hours a week. That guy doesn't leave a job site. If there's a speck of dirt on there, that guy doesn't leave, right? That guy does a final walkthrough with every, oh, I don't like to talk to clients, right? You know, I, that isn't what I do. I'm a painter, man. I don't, I don't talk to people. I just go in and paint. Well, the top painter in our company, he doesn't leave the job site. Matter of fact, he's had us come up with the process sheet that he wants them to sign off on it, that every single thing was right. He went through it. He turned on all the lights to the house. He brings the lighting system in. So there's no stone unturned. He, that guy's doing a real walkthrough. Well, if you want to get paid the way he does, you just got to do what he does. It's not like any of this stuff's a secret. Okay. So I think I know the answer to this, but I want to hear your take. What do you say to the, the owners and or their employees who say, I don't want that type of structure. Like I feel like it's micromanaging. I feel like it's, you know, restrictive. And I just don't want to be in a situation where I got to follow, you know, a 50 step plan each day. Like, what do you say to those type of conversations? I, I usually start with my psychiatrist joke. I go, how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? And they're like, you know, don't know. Well, one, right now it's going to take a long time. It's going to be expensive. And the light bulb has got to want to what change. So if you're satisfied where you're at, then keep doing it, right? Most of us have figured out, though, that uh, when you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, your business is starting to, to rot. I remember getting uh, introduced to Think and Grow Rich early, early on in my career and reading about this lumberyard magnet, right? This huge conglomerate guy, and he's trying to sell lumber during the Depression, right? So obviously not going very well. And literally, he's like, look, here's how I got out of it. I would sit in my chair for 30 minutes every single day. And all I would think about is five years from now, when this depression's over, how are people going to be doing and growing their business five years from now? And if you like the results of your business, put it this way, you're never going to change, right? People hate change for some reason. Those of us have figured out like, what is the one thing that's actually consistent in your life? It's change, right? It's going to change. So if you're green, you're constantly going to grow. Most business owners that you and I sit with, they come to me and they say, look, I'll tell you all the problems. I'm like, well, look, are you actually open to the solutions? Because it sounds like this is an impossible task that nobody can figure out. Well, then it's going to stay that way. It's almost like, especially with guys, we lose our keys, right? Or we can't find something around the house, right? So I catch myself doing this. Go to my wife and go, hey, like, where's the salt, right? I can't find the salt. She's like, hey, it's in the cupboard. I'm like, look, I got the cupboard open. I can't see the salt. It's not there. I can't find it. Can't see it. It's like, look, second shelf behind there. And I'm like, look, I, I still can't see it. She'll walk over, pull it. Here's the salt. You're telling yourself that you can't solve something. Your body and your mind will react to that, right? Whatever you speak is what you're going to speak into existence. So fortunately or unfortunately, if you just change that mindset into a growth mindset, yep. 
I hear this all the time. Look, there's almost 400 million Americans now, and I can't find anybody to work. There's not one person in 400 million, right? It's like the the guy who pulls it or a gal who pulls aside and say, hey, there's no good guys out there. There's 200 million guys. There's 3.5 billion men on the earth, and there isn't one good one. You see them go, well, that can't be true, right? See, you have to be careful what you think about, you will bring about. But they got to want to. Yeah, I, I, sorry, I mean, to cut you off there, Nathan, I, that, I actually recorded a podcast yesterday and it's, it's your self-image, right? It's what you tell yourself. It's what you think about yourself and whatever you think will actually come true. And it's like uh, Henry Ford. If you think you can or can't, you're, you're right. So, wow, there's so much information today and I want to be respectful of your time. We're coming up on an hour. I really appreciate you being on here, Nathan, and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom about recruiting. I think there's so much, like, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again, just, just to make sure I didn't, uh, didn't miss anything. So I'd like to ask a couple questions before we hop off here. So one is how can people get a hold of you? If they want to talk to you or find out about what you do and how, uh, the services you offer, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So, uh, Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N-J, France, like the country. So NathanJFrance.com. Basic email that I probably check the most or my team checks the most is just Nathan at TJ, T like Tom, J like John. So TJConstructionMN.com. That one gets checked on a regular basis. I do want to say this, brother, as we tie that in, what I love about Hammer and Grind is collaboration is where the world is going. It used to be, look, just in Minnesota alone, in the Minneapolis Twin Cities area, there's over 16,000 guys that are licensed to do any wow. type of general contracting. And yet there's plenty of work for everybody. So having a podcast like that you have and the information and bringing these top people in the industry together so we can collaborate just makes us all better, brother. So I really appreciate you having me. Appreciate you saying that. And I, I definitely would like to get more high caliber people on the show to have conversations like you and I are having. The last question I do want to ask you, what book are you currently reading or what's one that you recommend? You know, uh, books are like diets, brother. It's uh, what's the best one, the one you're actually going to read. <laughs> right. So right now I'm reading uh, Scars and Stripes from Tim Kennedy. Believe it or not, uh, John Stryker Meyer is a guy that I look up to. So John was part of the MACV saw group. So like the real, like not the attitude and the muscles, but the real John Rambo guys in Vietnam. So he's got a book called Over the Fence. And it's about the secret war in Cambodia and Laos and the training that they would do to get their guys ready. I mean, literally they would take, so like you'd get started, you'd been in your green beret for crying out loud, right? You've been in for years. And now you get part of this elite group. They would have you start with a BB gun. Like you didn't know how to shoot. And they're throwing up clay targets, right? Because they're running into guys in triple canopy jungle. So a lot of times whoever would draw, miss, and reload, and then shoot again is who won those firefights. That's how fast it would happen. So they're taking BB guns literally and throwing clay pigeons. And when you could hip shoot a clay pigeon with a BB gun from your hip, they would move you on to something else. And I just reflect on what you and I do in the construction space that guys come in and they go, look, I just want to come in and do my job every day. Very few teams are thinking about it that way. Like, look, th these are the type of craftsmen we want to be. And again, reflect that on the guy who goes, look, I only want to do this for the next three years. I want to make enough money to go live on my sailboat. Well, 
something on your sailboat is probably going to need a craftsman too, right? So the things that we learn how to do here together, you can use them the rest of your life. Maybe you won't get paid on a on an hourly or per job basis, but you'll get paid on this type of work the rest of your life. So let's change that mindset in what we do. So those are a couple of great books that uh, one, Tim's book is just an autobiography of a U.S. soldier. We love our veterans, right? Two of my boys are veterans. And then the other one from John Stryker Meyer just, again, got me a new level of clarity on what type of training somebody that's a professional or a craftsman would have to have. And again, to, to have that their whole life. The Cambodia, is that with the uh, LARPs, the Long Range Reconnaissance Patrols? Is that who they were training? In a way, yes, but uh, it was called Mac V Sog. Mac V Sog was they would recruit out of the Green Beret program, and they would take you know there was typically three guys, and then they would like the Mountain Yards, right? They would recruit usually nine to say twenty seven Vietnamese, and they would go out and they would drop them into uh, Laos and Cambodia where they weren't supposed to be. So they're they're not supposed to be there, right? So they were completely sanitized, right? They didn't carry U.S. anything. And they went in because obviously what was happening during that war, the North Vietnamese weren't playing by the rules, right? So they would go into these other countries where we couldn't go in and get them. Well, these guys would figure out supply runs. They would have the Air Force, right? It was wild. And and just until recently, they could start to talk about it. Yeah. Because it was all just declassified. That's right. Yeah. I'll have to read that one over the fence. Awesome. Well, Nathan, I, I really appreciate you being on here. We might have to have you back sometime in the future and, and talk about some other things of business if you're down for it. But like I said, I, I definitely appreciate you being on the show today. I hey, appreciate you too, brother. Appreciate what you're doing for the industry. It's wonderful. And if there's ever something I can do to back you up, just let me know what it is. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, guys, that's the end of this episode. You know where to find me on the social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, search for Hammond Grind Podcast. You can find me there. If you want more information, if you want more help in your business, you can look at my free Facebook group, The Contractor Profit Blueprint. And until next time, guys, you know what to do. Be the best version of you.